Welcome to Seattle Men's Monthly with Dr. Tom Walsh, Director of the University of Washington's Men's Health Center and Associate Professor of Urology at the UW, featuring important topics dealing with men's health, including prostate cancer and erectile dysfunction. It's Seattle Men's Monthly. Here's your host, Neil Scott. Hi, everybody. I'm Neil Scott, and welcome to a new series on Sports Radio 950 KJR and KZOK. It's called the Men's Health Monthly, features Dr. Tom Walsh, a look at many important issues that affect men specifically, including prostate cancer as well as sexual and reproductive care involving a wide range of conditions. The program will air on the last Tuesday of every month on 950 KJR and on the last Sunday of every month, 6.30 a.m. on KZOK. Dr. Walsh is an associate professor at the University of Washington. He is the director of the UW Men's Health Center. He'll be with us every month to offer his insight into men's health issues from prevention and education to information on advanced treatment options and plenty of resources for men. Now, we want this to be a program not only for you, but to include you, giving you the opportunity to ask Dr. Walsh questions about health issues that may be concerning you. And you can do that in a couple of different ways. You can call and leave questions on Dr. Walsh's voicemail at 206-598-0937. Or you can drop him an email at menshealthmonthly at iheartmedia.com. We'll go ahead and deal with the questions in the next show. In this month's edition, we're going to get to know Dr. Walsh and share a little bit about why this topic, this program, is so important to him and so important to me. First of all, let's meet Dr. Walsh, who is not only the director of the UW Men's Health Center at the UW, he's also my urologist and has been for a number of years. He's one of the top urologists on the West Coast, and I trust him explicitly. In this inaugural edition, we're going to take a look at some of the barriers for men in seeking health care. Why don't men make appointments? Why don't they follow through? In general, why don't you go to the doctor? We'll find out more about prostate cancer and who should get tested and why. And we'll talk a little bit about the topic of erectile dysfunction. What happens when the pills don't work? Is there a permanent solution to ED, which eventually will affect all men to some degree? Dr. Walsh, so we can get to know you a little bit better, give our listeners a little bit of your background. Going into this field, uh, it, it starts with a very long educational pathway. You know, I, I graduated with an undergraduate degree. I went to medical school in Chicago at Northwestern Medical School. And then I went on and did um, advanced surgical training in the field of urology. And that was six years of training And I was fortunate enough to do that training here in Seattle at the University of Washington. I I learned then and uh, through some research that I had done during my training that I wanted to practice in this unique arena of men's health. So I left the UW and went and did some specialized fellowship training at the University of California, San Francisco. Mm. Um, I was was fortunate enough to be successful in – staying on as a faculty member at UCSF and having some research grants from the National Institutes of Health that uh, kept me doing some investigative work in this arena and was eventually recruited back here to the UW because of the strong interest to bring men's health to Seattle. And I've been here ever since. In addition to being a University of Washington professor, you are the director of the UW Men's Health Center. Tell us a little bit about that. 
So the Men's Health Center uh, was a brainchild back in 2012. Uh, the idea of creating sort of a unique, safe place for men to come and talk about their most personal health issues, a way to bring them through the door and introduce them to health care. Some of the areas where the Men's Health Center really accelerates is in addressing really personal issues like men's sexual health, fertility, problems below the belt, uh, prostate cancer detection and survivorship, and the entire spectrum of disease in the world of urology. If you're just joining us, I'm Neil Scott, and you're listening to Men's Health Monthly with Dr. Tom Walsh, University of Washington professor, and he's the director of the UW Men's Health Center. Now, if you have a question for Dr. Walsh, you can leave the question on his voicemail, 206-598-0937. We will discuss it in the next program. Or you can email him at menshealthmonthly at iheartmedia.com. We will be on 950 KJR the last Tuesday of every month at 8 o'clock and on KZOK the last Sunday of every month at 6.30 a.m. What are some of the topics, Tom, that going forward you feel are most important to men? I think that probably the most important dis- topics for us to discuss are the, the problems that I see day to day. I think these things are about men's sexual health, problems in the bedroom, inability to get erection, and how that relates to their individual health, their heart health, talking about prostate cancer and some of the consequences of prostate cancer treatment because it is so common. You know, this year alone, nearly 200,000 men will be diagnosed with prostate cancer. Some of them will be treated and they'll have sequelae of that disease. Male fertility which is a growing concern in the United States and in countries across the world, and some of the things uh, related to general health and health habits that uh, can relate to fertility. And then some of the things that, uh, you know, sound kind of boring but are really, really important to men. Like, like what? Like problems with their foreskin, pain in their, in their genitalia, things that, you know, a guy may not come to a doctor to be screened for diabetes or high blood pressure, but when he's got a problem below the belt, he will. And these are opportunities for us to help them in the moment and educate them about what they need to do to be healthy moving forward. What role does prevention play? Prevention plays a huge role for men. Uh, If you look at men compared to women, you know, we often, men have asserted themselves as being physically stronger Uh, But when it comes to health, they are clearly the weaker sex. Men die, on average, seven years younger than women. They'll succumb to cancer at a much higher rate than women, as well as cardiovascular disease. And yet they access seeing a doctor or a healthcare provider at a fraction of the rate of women. Women are 100% more likely to see a doctor for a healthcare problem than men. And so prevention is the key. Being screened for these diseases, being educated about the important role of exercise, diet, and health care screenings that can detect disease before it becomes a problem. Why are men so freaked out about going to a doctor? Boy, that's the million-dollar question. Mm. You know, this is a question for sociologists, um, but I think there are a lot of machismo reasons why men don't go see a doctor. 
I think men get caught up in inertia. You know, I, just, I don't have a doctor. Um, and yet they're unwilling to take the steps to actually obtain one so that they have that access point for health. Some men don't have health insurance. You know, in the current era, insurance for health is more available to men than it ever has been. I think men like to assume maybe there's nothing wrong. Denial. Denial. And you know what? The good news is, is most of the time they're going to be right. So they don't need to be afraid to go in and become educated and screened. A lot of men say they don't have time. And, you know, if you, if you think of this uh, in a generic terms, there's about nearly 9,000 hours in a year. What does two hours matter to go see a doctor? Some men say they don't want to spend the money. And uh, I think this is a case where probably a few dollars spent probably is well worth, worth it to a guy's wallet. You can pay me now or pay me later. That's right. I mean, time in a doctor's office is a heck of a lot cheaper than time in a hospital. I think there's some perception that doctors or healthcare providers just don't do anything. I think the point is, is that doctors do tests. And while some of those tests don't lead to actionable items, what they really lead to is knowledge. And so I think you need to look at a doctor as somebody who's there to educate you. And many of the things they do hopefully won't translate to action, just knowledge. And, I, and then I think there's a lot of guys who would just rather tough it out. You know, if they have a specific problem, they'd rather just plow through, ignore it, and hope that it gets better on its own. And it probably will not. It, it probably will not, or it will transiently, mm-hmm. and uh, they'll be right back where they started. What role do women play in encouraging men to get off their ass and see a doctor? I think women play a huge role. You know, if you look at healthcare utilization statistics, I already told you, women see doctors mm. far more than men. They, they outpace us more than two to one. Do you know the only time in a man's life where he sees a doctor equivalent to a woman? It's when he's a child or a, a teenager. It's when his mother's mm. making the appointments for him. And, and, you know, that carries into adulthood. We see partners of men making appointments all the time. Um, and so I think having that encouragement and that partner support, whether it's a woman or a man or whoever that partner is, I think is really critical. Next month, which begins actually next week, is National Men's Health Month. And, you know, it seems like a great opportunity to take some positive steps to better health. Now, June is dedicated to enriching men's health and wellness through a broad spectrum of national screenings and educational campaigns. Men's Health Week is celebrated during the week leading up to and including Father's Day. It serves as a time to raise awareness of preventable health problems and certainly encourage early detection and treatment of disease among all men. Now, the week also includes Wear Blue Friday. That's June 17th. It's a day you can show support and encourage your colleagues to wear something blue, a shirt, a tie, pants. Uh, If you're a woman, you can wear a blue dress. Show concern for health and well-being of men. And June is a great opportunity to get your prostate checked. Dr. Walsh, when and where and at what age should a man get tested for prostate cancer? So this is an area that's a little bit controversial. And what we, what we believe today 
is that screening for prostate cancer in an average man should probably start around age 50, with some caveats. Men who have had their father or their brother diagnosed with prostate cancer, those men should be screened earlier. Men who are just potentially worried uh, about prostate cancer should potentially be screened earlier, and at the very least, they should be discussing it with their doctor. Symptoms? Prostate cancer is asymptomatic, which there are no symptoms. There's nothing to tell a man he's got prostate cancer. It's a cancer that simply has to be screened for. And the way we screen for prostate cancer is with a blood test and a digital rectal exam to feel the shape of the prostate. For most men, this type of screening should start in what we would call their medical home, their primary care provider, whether that is a physician, a nurse practitioner, or whoever they see routinely. And they should start having that discussion, you know, maybe in their 40s as they're beginning to approach screening age. After the age of 50, how often does a man get screened? And how often does the body change? Well, the body's constantly changing. And the answer, because of that, is it depends. Most men will be screened annually. But if your doctor finds out that you're particularly low risk based upon your family history, your blood work results, and your physical exam, maybe they'll space out your screening for longer. On the flip side of that, if they think that you're at slightly higher risk based upon those same criteria, then they may want to screen you again sooner. And... Those tests don't tell you you have prostate cancer. They simply tell you you may want to move on to a more advanced test to determine whether or not you're, you're somebody with prostate biopsy. cancer. And that's a biopsy. What is the thinking today on doing a biopsy? I think the thinking today is that for men who are healthy, who have good longevity, and who show markers that place them at risk for prostate cancer, elevation of that blood test called PSA or an abnormal digital rectal exam, those men deserve a biopsy. Now, this I like to say this is not your, it's like not your father's Oldsmobile, right? This is not your father's biopsy. This is not medieval torture or pain. You know, biopsies today are done in a, a very simplistic way with anesthetic that makes it very comfortable. And in all of medical treatment, there's nothing that we do that is zero risk, but this is really low risk. And the knowledge that it provides a man about his risk for prostate cancer is substantial and, and uh, impactful. What's the downside? I think the downside is you got to take a little time out of your life to go do it. Uh, there can be a few side effects, a little bit of uh, discoloration of the urine or the stool. Um, and in a very small percentage of men, there's a risk of infection from a biopsy. Uh, but I think the benefit of doing the test probably outweighs the risk. We are going to take a short time out, and when we come back, we are going to go below the belt. What causes erectile dysfunction? What hampers erections? Does smoking play a role? What about smoking pot? Can that affect an erection? And with the ED pill medications that are available, can you drink? Can you still have them work? What about food? Well, we'll answer all these questions and more. Men's Health Monthly continues with Dr. Tom Walsh, University of Washington professor and the director of the UW Men's Health Center. I'm Neil Scott. We will be right back right after this. 
Did you know that diabetes, heart disease, and prostate cancer procedures can contribute to erectile dysfunction? Many men aren't aware of this or of all the treatment options that a board-certified urologist can offer. Understand your options and learn where you can find an ED specialist in Seattle to help. Visit edcure.org to get the facts and find a urologist who can offer treatment options that work when pills and injections don't. Again, that's edcure.org. Wonder if you should get tested for colorectal cancer? Well, it's the second leading cancer killer in the U.S., and screening helps prevent it. So if you're 50 or older, it's time. Even if it doesn't run in your family, most often colorectal cancer occurs in people with no family history. And it doesn't always cause symptoms, especially early on. So don't wait for symptoms to get tested. Screening helps prevent the disease by finding precancerous polyps so they can be removed. Remove the polyp, prevent the cancer. Screening also helps find colorectal cancer early when treatment works best. You might be thinking, oh no, not that test. But here's the thing, you have options. There's more than one screening test. Talk to your doctor to find the one that's right for you. No more excuses. If you're over 50, get tested because colorectal cancer screening really does save lives. A message from HHS and CDC's Screen for Life campaign. I'm Neil Scott. Welcome back to Men's Health Monthly, heard on KZOK the last Sunday of the month at 6.30 in the morning and on 9.50 KJR at 8 o'clock on the last Tuesday of the month. Joining me each month is Dr. Tom Walsh. He's the director of the UW Men's Health Center. Dr. Walsh, let's talk about erectile dysfunction. Let's go below the belt. How big of a problem is it, and does it happen to all men? I like to say that for any man, if you live long enough, you're going to experience erectile dysfunction. To put some statistics on this, you know, we estimate that close to 40 million men experience ED. And if you look at surveys in the United States alone, somewhere about 30 to 40 percent of men aged 40 to 49. Hmm. I'm going to say that again. Men aged 40 to 49 30 to 40% of them are going to experience loss of erection. Not every time. Well, here's the deal. You know, we think about, we, we play down this idea of, you know, oh, it was a situation. It was just that one time I was anxious. But that's not what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about men who experience that inability to get an erection repetitively. So if that's happening in men age 40 to 49... And you imagine that this is going to increase as you get older. By the time men are in their 60s to 70s, close to three-quarters of men will have really significant ED. So this is a this is a big problem. Everyone knows about the pills, Viagra, Cialis, Levitra. How effective are they, and do they work for all men all the time? These pills, which hit the market in the 1990s, really revolutionized how we approach this problem. I think the challenge is, is that If you look at men who take the pills, only about half of them are really going to benefit from the pill. Why? Well, the pills augment a man's normal physiology. But for those pills to work, a man's 
innate hydraulic system really needs to be able to respond. And if it can't respond, then the pills can't work. So you got to have the hardware in place for the pill to, to be able to enhance a man's erection. And unfortunately for a lot of guys, that simply won't be the case. Now, if you've seen the ads, you'd think that it's going to work 100% of the time. And I think the, the big challenge we face is that it feels awfully lonely for men when they take a pill and it doesn't work for them. Mm. And this is, this is where that information, this education comes from. Helping man understand what to expect can pave the way to much more successful treatment. I know a lot of men think this problem cannot be fixed. Can it? Um, I, so I see men in the office every, almost every single day for this particular problem. And usually, and they're, they're usually coming in thinking exactly what you have just said, that this cannot be fixed. But I look every one of them in the eye and say that this is a problem we can absolutely fix. Where there is a will, there's a way. We just have to find the right tool. What are the ways? There are a number of ways that could be, could be as simple as, hey, quit smoking, or, uh, hey, take care of your blood pressure and your diabetes. Wait a are you Wait. saying that erections can be hampered by smoking? Neil, do you know what Viagra is or these types yeah, of the drugs? Pills, yeah. yeah, the pills. Yeah, the pills. So t- tobacco, I'd like you to think of this as anti-Viagra. So the, these pills, these the blue pill, whatever pill, I'm not even I'm not going to call it Viagra because you know they all all these pills work the same. Mm-hmm. They work to help deliver more blood flow to a man's penis. They're, they dilate blood vessels. Tobacco does the exact opposite. It's anti-Viagra. Wow. It, they don't. It turns out they they convened some marketing executives and they decided that was not a good marketing ploy for cigarettes. So they don't they don't use that. What about pot? Oh, these are great questions. Um, who knows? We don't know. You know, you have to remember that the legalization of marijuana in the U.S. is not complete across right, the right. U.S. and it's only very recent here in our lovely state of Washington and in others across the country. Is there research going on on this? Absolutely. I mean, we have an active research program to understand the consequences of marijuana smoking or marijuana utilization in our program at the Men's Health Center at UW. But the verdict's still out. How does marijuana impact a man? I, I I can tell you this. We know that chronic marijuana use does appear to raise a man's risk of testis cancer. Mm. And that is no longer debated. What about alcohol? Alcohol is a tricky one. You know, uh, it has been shown that alcohol in small amounts can release inhibition and improve performance, you know, before intoxication occurs. But alcohol when used chronically and when used to excess, really diminishes a man's sexual capabilities. So you're saying if if someone is taking the pills, they should probably not be smoking, not be drinking. Uh, And and what's the thing with eating? You can't eat for an hour? 
Well, this is uh, this is something that's unique to certain pills, mm. and it has to do. So, what you're getting at is that that's one of the challenges with pills is that there's all sorts. There's a rule book you have to follow to get them to work and to optimize them, and they are not going to work the same way every time based upon the environment you have created. Uh, and that's probably the biggest challenge with pills. But you're right. Some of the pills, you have to take them on an empty stomach. So they don't go very well with a with a date, you know, if your date includes dinner, that is. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what about testosterone? There's a lot of talk about testosterone therapy. Is that effective? Testosterone is what differentiates us men from women in the way they look, the way they behave. Um, and it is required for good health. But there are a lot of misunderstandings about testosterone. Testosterone, for example, is not a great treatment to save a man's erections. Uh, Studies have shown that treating a man who's lost his erectile power, testosterone replacement usually is not the ticket. There are studies that demonstrate that for men in whom their testosterone is genuinely low on repeated testing and they have very specific symptoms that seem to relate to their low testosterone, then giving them back some testosterone can improve their sex life. Not necessarily their erections, but their sex life. Dr. Walsh, in the time that we have left in this edition of Men's Health Monthly, and believe me, we will get into a lot of these topics in much more detail in the months ahead, I want to be sure to give listeners some solid informative, and accurate resources that will be helpful. So there are, there are several websites. Mm-hmm. Um, ED Cure is a great source of information about men's sexual health. Sexhealthmatters.org. This is the patient education site for the Sexual Medicine Society of North America, which is the largest conglomerate of healthcare providers that emphasize male sexual health. And urologyhealth.org is another phenomenal source of information for patients. Are they patient-friendly? They're really patient-friendly. These are sites that solicit input from doctors like me, combined with patients, to make things in an easily understandable, readable form. As we mentioned before, Men's Health Monthly will be on the air every month On KZOK, it'll air on the last Sunday of the month, 6.30 a.m., and on 9.50 KJR, the last Tuesday of every month at 8 p.m. Now, going forward, what are some of the topics that we absolutely have to deal with? I, as an individual, am passionate about helping men, and this center that we've built at UW is all about helping men be healthier, lead better lives. So where I'd like this show to go is for us to dig deep into the things that men come and talk to us about on a day-to-day basis. Some of these things are sexual health issues, things that guys don't like to talk about, that everyone's experiencing but they don't like to talk about. Some things that are affecting their lives in in a a very profound way, like fertility problems, uh, their reproductive health. Um... Sometimes men simply need a sounding board, some education 
to get them in the groove of taking care of themselves on a day-to-day basis. So I'd like us to make sure that we talk about the entire span of a man's life, from the things that affect him when he's young, like his fertility, perhaps a problem with his foreskin, testicular cancer, which is the most common solid cancer in young men, through the things that begin to affect them as they age, trouble urinating, prostate behaving badly to impact how, how, how many times they're getting up at night to go to the bathroom, how much sleep are they losing, moving into other things that go wrong with the prostate, like cancer, prostate cancer treatment, and then the aftermath of prostate cancer. That reminds me, Dr. Walsh, that next month we're going to have in studio a prostate cancer survivor who is a patient advocate along with his wife who will share their experience of dealing with prostate cancer, the successful treatment, and the ongoing recovery. Men's Health Monthly with Dr. Tom Walsh airs on the last Tuesday of every month on Sports Radio 950 KJR and on the last Sunday of the month on KZOK at 6.30 in the morning. If you have questions for Dr. Walsh, you can leave them on his voicemail, 206-598-0937. Or you can send him an email at menshealthmonthly at iheartmedia.com. Again, that's menshealthmonthly at iheartmedia.com or area code 206-598-0937 for voicemail. That wraps up Men's Health Monthly with Dr. Tom Walsh, University of Washington professor and director of the UW's Men's Health Center. For Dr. Walsh, I'm Neil Scott, wishing you good health and good sense to men's health. Thanks for joining us on Men's Health Monthly. You've been listening to Men's Health Monthly with Dr. Tom Walsh, Associate Professor of Urology at the University of Washington and Director of the UW Men's Health Center, and your host, Neil Scott.